and and let's also I'm going to do this. We'll put this on Facebook for anyone who wants to. Uh... So my my two uh, what do you call it? Um, my two tefillin boys. Right. They do mikvahs every morning. I asked them about. I said, you know, we talked about mikvahs, and I said, you guys do mikvahs. They go every morning. What do you right. mean mikvah? They, they they go to the mikvah every morning. Every morning. Yeah. Yeah, there are there are some people there are there are Hasidim that do that. I know, you know. Again, when when you come to West Rogers Park, uh, I'll show you the mikvah that's across the road from Ashulan, and I see people coming and going from there every day. Is there a certain um, time that you're supposed to do it, or it doesn't matter? Uh, I think people typically do it in the morning before they go to Shachras. Yeah, I would I would assume that they would do it in the morning, but I was just curious. Um, now, with the mikvahs that you go to, would they allow the conversion mikvah? I mean, would it be a, would they allow a, a woman who's converting to go to their mikvah or not? Yes. Okay, well, that's a quick answer. <laughs> I don't know how religious they are, you know. Um, if they would allow uh, a, a convert to be uh, going to the mikvah. Um, so the answer is yes, but they don't go to the same mikvah. The women have a separate mikvah than the men do. Yeah, no, no, I assume so, yeah. So, so there's two separate mikvahs. Women typically go to the mikvah at night oh, and, and okay. men and men go during the day. So for example, the mikvah at the mikvah across the road over here, uh, they're two completely separate entrances, obviously. And they actually, uh, one's like sort of got a fence around it. So it's more uh, private as well. But for the men, you know, lots of people can go at the same time. Typically one woman will go at a time. And they make well, appointments. And aren't the aren't the women accompanied by somebody else? Right, that's very good. Right, there's an attendant yeah. Yeah, because I, I knew that because the uh, the when a woman goes to the mikveh, that's a biblical commandment that they are fulfilling. Okay. And so there are you know requirements and and rabbinic um, uh, precautions that they take. Uh, and they they need to have someone who knows uh, what to do. Like a woman before she gets married, she goes to the mikveh, and so uh, they learn the laws, and there'll be someone that'll go with them. And uh, whereas for a man, it's really a custom; you don't have to go. Okay. Uh, we know there used to be a time when the temple was around, and and the laws of purity were uh, uh, in place. If you wanted to go to the Temple Mount, you know, it, it's actually, it, it, it's very appropriate that you are, that we're talking about this right now, because uh, the, the rabbis say that Shavuot, we really all became converts. We all converted, so to speak, to, to Judaism. We were not we were not Jewish until we got the Torah, and a convert just like a convert has to accept the Torah. We accepted the Torah at Mount Sinai, so we 
uh, in effect uh, converted. I mean, we, uh, you know, we say that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who are forefathers, who are forefathers, were also Jewish, but in a certain sense, they they did not um, accept the Torah like we did at Mount Sinai on on Shavuot. So uh, some of the laws of of conversion are taken from the uh, account of uh, of Shavuot in the Torah, and uh, and the the description of accepting the Torah is compared to a mikveh, uh, and uh, the the um, the Talmud says that that the Torah the Torah is like a mikveh; it purifies a person, and and that's a you know that's a that's something that we don't often think about. We we think that the Torah is just a set of laws. You know, God wants us to do this, and He wants us to do that. And if we do this, we'll be rewarded. If we do that, we'll be punished. But the idea of of uh, the Torah is that it's really purifying us. It's purifying our souls, and uh, and so that's why it's compared to to a mikveh. But that, so that's a that's a very good question. That's also one of the reasons why we read the book of Ruth on Shavuot, because Ruth was a, uh, she was a convert. She was, uh, she was the daughter-in-law of Naomi and Naomi and her husband had, had left Israel and, uh, and her sons had, had married uh, Naomi and Orpah who were not Jewish. And then when, when their husband, their husbands died, uh, Ruth decided to convert, and we actually read that. We read that uh, the story of Ruth on on Shavuot. Uh, so um, maybe just as a you know, just as an introduction, because Steve, you know, uh, sent out a, a text earlier today, and and uh, we're all thinking about Israel right now, and uh, we should have Israel in our prayers. And we should, we should say that the Torah that we are learning now should serve as a merit to protect all the, the people in Israel. Because as we speak right now, things are very, very um, uh, volatile in Israel. And, uh, you know, I spoke to, I've got a son-in-law in Israel. The sirens went off in Jerusalem yesterday. And the last time sirens went off in Yerushalayim was uh, about seven years ago. And you know that uh, if, if rockets are being fired into Jerusalem, then things are pretty serious. Yeah. Um, and we don't want, you know, we don't want anyone killed on either side. But, uh, you know, Israel has to defend itself. And uh, unfortunately, that puts a lot of people in harm's way. And already, you know, tragically, a number of you know, Israelis have been killed, uh, including, um, I think, a young child, you know, uh, like a seven-year-old. So um, we say prayers in the morning and we say, you know, prayers at, at night for Israel and we should, we should have them in our prayers. Uh, you know, um, it also ties in quite a lot with, uh, with Shavuot as well because, you um, you know, I I lived in Israel for six years, and we lived 
in a part of Jerusalem that was very, very close to what was the border between Israel and Jordan before, you know, 1967. So the Green Line, is that what they refer to as the Green Line? uh, Well, uh, the Green Line was what came after 1967. The Green Line that uh, I think separated uh, that were the lands that they they took over, but I, it could be that uh, it, it could be that that's part of that 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 might have been the, the just the border. I'm not sure if that green line is actually there itself, but just down the road, just down the road from where our yeshiva is in East Jerusalem, because we were in what was essentially West Jerusalem, is the is the cave um, of Shimon Hatzadik. That's his name. It's called Shimon Atzadik, Simon the Righteous, who was uh, 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 a rabbi from the times of the Talmud. And when I used to live there, we used to walk there to go pray there, just like we pray at, you know, at other uh, grave sites. I mentioned last week when we were talking about Moron, and I really I sent out an email, by the way, uh, which I'll I'll send to you with a couple of links to some articles. Uh, and there's an additional video that I just saw that I might add um, uh, to get an idea of why it is that we pray at, at you know at at great people's graves. But uh, that place is where all this um, uh, started. There were there were some Palestinians, I guess, who I don't know the whole story actually, who were uh, living there illegally, and the Israelis had evicted them and that's how you know the that's how i think the first violence started and then to compound it last week uh or maybe it was even this week today's wednesday i think it could even have been this week was a day called yom yerushalayim yom yerushalayim is the day that commemorates when jerusalem was liberated in 1967 and people could go back to the wall back to the coastal and so many many Jews go to the old city on Yom Yerushalayim. And uh, whenever, you know, there are large crowds going through the old city, there's got to be a big you know, army and police presence. So apparently uh, there's a, I saw this picture or this video, you see all these Israelis celebrating at the Kosal with their Israeli flags and in the background, there's a tree burning on the Temple Mount. And apparently they were throwing things down onto the, you know, onto the, uh, the Kotel Plaza and uh, maybe using firecrackers and one of the trees caught a light. So the, the optics are, you know, you see the Israelis dancing and singing and there's a, a big fire going off on the Temple Mount. I'm sure that that stoked the flames and got people more agitated. Now, Yom Yerushalayim is not a, it's not a biblical holiday. It's a day that was, uh, you know, a very, very happy day for the Israelis because they were unable to go to the Western Wall, which is the site, the closest site they could get to the temple. Um, uh, they were pro- prohibited from going there. And, and after 1967, they were, they were able to go. Um, and... Uh, next week on Shavuot, there's uh, there unless you know things are still very volatile, but 
uh, next week there's going to be 50, 60,000 Jews again in that Kotel Plaza on Shavuot, except they're not going there to celebrate Yom Yerushalayim. They're not going to be carrying uh, flags uh, or, you know, weapons. They're going to be carrying Torah scrolls because it's the, the holiday of Shavuot. And, you know, there's a custom, there's a custom to stay up all night on Shavuot and learn Torah. Did we talk about that last week? I don't know if uh, we spoke about that. Um, have you ever heard of this custom? I, I, I have. I haven't. Uh, so uh, I was reading an article about it. It's not written anywhere in the, in the Mishnah or in the Talmud, even in the Code of Jewish Law. It's a fairly recent custom, meaning a couple of hundred years old. And I, I read that it originated really in the city of Tzfat up in the north when the center of Torah learning was in Tzfat and there were some great rabbis over there and they would get up and, and, and study Torah and say prayers at night and, uh, and somehow the custom of staying up on the night of Shavuot arose. But there's also a Midrash. A Midrash is a commentary on the Torah by the same rabbis of the Mishnah and the Talmud and they comment on different aspects of the Torah and they say it's a little bit difficult to understand what this means. You know, just remember, let's just take a little bit of a step back. Um, we've been talking about this the last few weeks. The Jews left Egypt on Pesach. And then they were in the desert for seven weeks uh, until they got to Mount Sinai, which is where they got the Torah. And then they were supposed to go from there straight into Israel, but we're going to read and hear more about uh, the sin of the spies and the reason why they stayed for 40 years. But the plan was for them to, to travel from Egypt to Mount Sinai, which is in Saudi Arabia, get the Torah and then go to Israel. Um, and the Midrash says, the Midrash, and they were told, and, and they, said they said that they will accept the Torah. They were, Moses, you know, God spoke to Moses and said, I'm taking you to Mount Sinai to give you the Torah. And I want you to ask the Jewish people if they're willing to accept it. And the Jews said the famous words, Na'asevanishma, which means we will do it and then we'll study it. You know, a lot of people will say, you know, I'm not going to commit myself to doing anything. I first want to, to study it. But the Jews, they said, after seeing all the miracles in Egypt and all the you know, the kindnesses that God did for them when God said, I'm giving you the Torah, they said, we'll take it sight unseen and then we'll study it. So they were ready and prepared for it. And in fact, we were talking about this, that they were physically, um, you know, freed from Egypt on Pesach, but they weren't spiritually complete until they got, until they got the Torah. So, uh, they prepared themselves for these 49 days. And on the 50th day, they were given the Torah. But the Midrash says that they actually fell asleep. The Jewish people fell asleep on the night before the Shavuot. And God had to, so to speak, come and wake them up and say, you know, uh, Jewish people, wake up. I'm giving you the Torah today. Now, that uh, needs to be explained. What, did, what exactly does it mean that they went to sleep and and that they woke up late. You, you know, it's it's like uh, 
you know, wake, you know, the day before you get married or the day before you graduate or some major event in your life, you're not going to oversleep. Um, so what does it mean that oversleep? But just leaving that aside for now, um, the, the rabbis say that as a result of that, we stay up every Shavuot night to correct that mistake. It was a mistake to sleep. They had a certain calculation, but they made a mistake and they, they slept, so we stay up all night. So uh, what I used to do in Jerusalem, we used to stay in our yeshiva and we used to have lots of coffee and uh, we used to sleep in the afternoon beforehand and we'd have lots of classes and we would study Talmud and we would stay up. Most of us would stay up the whole night. And then uh, now uh, this is another, and Lou, I'm going I'm to come to your question about uh, Simcha's Torah in a moment. Um, don't, I'm not, I'm not going to forget about it, but. Uh, Lou will forget about it. Though. Lou will forget about it. I, I, um, I assume you know that there are, there are three times we pray every day. We pray morning, afternoon, and night. Shachris, Mincha, and Mairev. Now, um, Shachris, the morning service, uh, you can pray from sunrise. That's the earliest you can pray. You can't pray when it's dark. You have to pray when the sun rises. Now, what does it mean to pray? Because uh, when you pray in the morning, there's a whole series of prayers, but the main prayer is what's called the Shemone Esrei or the Amida, the 19 prayers that we say, the silent prayer. And the earliest you can say that is at a time called Nates, which is sunrise. Now, we know exactly when that is. We know exactly to the split second, 4.22 and 32 seconds. And tomorrow it's going to be 4.22 and 12 seconds. They, they actually know to the second? They know it to the absolute second. And oh my God, yeah. now I pr when I pray every morning, I go at 6.45, go at lasts uh, about an hour till about 7.45 when it's a Torah reading day, it lasts a few minutes longer. Today happened to be Rosh Chodesh. Rosh Chodesh is the first day of the month. And so on Rosh Chodesh, you read from the Torah and you say an additional prayer called Musaf, which corresponds to uh, an additional offering that was made on Rosh Chodesh. So we actually started 6.30. But 6.30, it's already been light for quite a while. There are some people in Chicago who pray at sunrise every single morning of the year. Every day of the week on Shabbos, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur. And so that means, I don't know what sunrise is today. Sunrise is probably like 5.30, which means they have to get up at about 4.30 and get ready and go to shul and and that means that they pray the silent prayer at 5.30, might even be a little bit earlier sometimes. Uh, and they've got to go to sleep pretty early at night because it gets even earlier than that in the middle of the summer. Uh, but they do that on Yom Kippur as well. They do it on Rosh Hashanah. They, they dominate nights. Now, they are, it's a very admirable thing to do. And there are minions like this all over the world. And there's a minion like that at the Western Wall, at the Kotel, on Shavuot morning on Shavuos morning, because you might as well, you're up all night, so you might as well pray as soon as you can. So what happens is, um, 
People pray, stay up all night. It comes about half an hour before sunrise. They put away the books. They wash their hands. They put on their tefillin. And they say the, the, the beginning prayers. And then at 4.32 and 22 seconds, they say the silent prayer. Now, what happens at the Kotel when there's 60,000 people there? What do you... Can I stop you for a second? Yes, of course. Uh, you you just said something that just triggered something. You said they, they get up and they wash their hands and then they put on tefillin. Right. Is it, is it proper or is it protocol to wash your hands before you put on tefillin? Or you just said that as a routine? Well, the, when I say they put on tefillin, they, they don't put it on as soon as they get out of bed. What they do is they put on tefillin at, at shul. Um, yeah. but, but what a Jew does when they wake up in the morning, the first thing they do is they wash their hands, go to the bathroom, get dressed, and then they go to shul. And at shul, they'll put on their tefillin. Well, I, I was wondering if, if there's a... You a protocol. To, you know, you, you should you should definitely have clean hands when you put yeah, on tefillin. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I thought maybe, you know, like... Right. You know, for, for Pesach, you have to wash your hands before you continue on some of your... Right, there are certain. Well, okay, I'm just curious. There are a lot of people who wash their hands before they go into shul. So okay. I would say that's what I do. I I typically wash my hands uh, uh, twice, once when I wake up, and then either at shul or just before I leave for shul. I, when I'm fully dressed, then I wash okay. my hands. Okay, so so getting back to uh, to Shavuot. So what do you do when there's sixty thousand people at the Kotel on Shavuot morning and at sunrise at 4.32 and 22 seconds. So what happens is you can't just have one service. No one's going to be able to hear you. It's, you know, it's, it's Yontif, so you can't use microphones. So you have hundreds of minyanim all over the plaza and every minyan's got its own Torah scroll and everybody's going at their own pace and reading from their own siddur. But at exactly sunrise, at, at the exact point of sunrise, and everybody knows exactly where, what it is, the entire plaza goes completely silent. And 60,000 people for about, I would say, a minute, because some people finish the silent prayer in a minute. Some people take 10 minutes, but some people take a minute. Then they start repeating it, so then it'll be noisy again. But except for the birds chirping, it's completely silent. And I did that like six times when I was in Israel. I loved doing it. We used to walk through the old city. It was one of the highlights of the year um, to go and pray with 60,000 people at one at the same time. So I don't know what's going to happen next week because Shavuot starts Sunday night. It goes from Sunday night through Monday night <coughs> through Tuesday. And, uh, and, I'm praying that it's going to be peaceful enough in Jerusalem for people to go there uh, because um, it's a big day. In fact, uh, what used to happen, what used to happen when the temple stood, this is one of the reasons why people go there. When the temple stood, the entire male population, uh, maybe even the, I don't think it was the, I don't think it was women and children. I might be wrong, but I think the entire male population had a mitzvah. I'm sure many women and children went, but it's a mitzvah for men to go to Jerusalem uh, to see the temple on Pesach, Shavuot, and Sukkot. That's what they do. And there's 
all kinds of discussions about how they get there and who's going to defend, you know, the country. It's it's one of the reasons why. Uh, one of, one of the many many reasons we can talk about this also. One of the reasons why we say the Torah must have been written by God, because God says, "I want every single male, you know, over bar mitzvah, to go to Jerusalem on Pesach, Shavuot, and Sukkot." Now, can you imagine if, imagine if uh, I don't know, let's say in in America, let's say in America, they said, "Okay, we want every soldier." Every policeman, every male to congregate in uh, Chicago, you know, three times a year, and these are the dates, and we announce it to the rest of the world. Now, what's going to happen? Those are the dates that, um, uh, if they want to invade, those are the dates they're going to invade because there's no one standing at the borders to defend the country. This is every single male that used to go, so it could only have been. That God said, "Don't worry, we'll I'll protect your borders if you do this mitzvah." Um, so, um, and just as an uh, as an aside, when I say that our Torah learning today should protect the Jewish people, I'm not just saying it as a, you know, as a nice thing. We believe that Torah learning uh, protects Israel, protects the Jewish people. We need the IDF, and we need you know the politicians, and we need you know everyone to do what they have to do. But we believe that without God's help and without the protection of the Torah, we would not be, we would not be safe. Um, one of the, one of the reasons we are protected uh, is because uh, the Torah unifies us. It says when the, when the Jews encamped around the, 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 the mountain, Mount Sinai, it uses the singular verb for camping by Yichan. they camped in the singular and the rabbis asked why does it say it's like and he camped why does it say he camped or it camped so the answer is because it, the Talmud says they were uh, everybody was totally united and when we are united then God is happy and God protects us and uh, you know uh, one of the things unfortunately what happens when we are faced by enemies, that's when we do get united. But it takes it takes something like this to unite us all. We fight so much, we haven't been able to form a government in Israel for two years because we just can't seem to get on with each other. And uh, God has to, so to speak, wake us up and say, I want you to get on with each other. Just the same way we spoke a little bit about Moron and the tragedy at Moron was a wake-up call also to us. Um, uh, you know, to unite more. So, um, so just getting back, and then I'll, and then we'll come to your question, Lude. So just just getting back to uh, to Shavuot and and the reason for this custom. Uh, the idea is the idea for staying up all night is that we should be so excited about getting the Torah that we can't sleep. And that's how we should feel. And that's really how we should feel every single day. I mean, I know how excited, you know, you guys are on Wednesdays to come to the Torah class. And I don't believe it's just because of me. I think because you like learning Torah. Yeah, I, I actually can't sleep the night before. I know. There you go, Marty. You know, <laughs> that's how, I mean, that's how we should feel. In fact, listen to this. This is amazing. This is really, really amazing. You know, uh, when, it, when the Torah talks about 
Pesach, and it talks about Rosh Hashanah, it talks about Yom Kippur, it talks about Sukkot, it explains what those holidays are for. Pesach is when to celebrate when we came out of Egypt, and Sukkot is to celebrate the fact that God protected us in uh, with the clouds of glory, and we slept in huts, and yeah, etc. But if you look through the Torah, and uh, I'm just checking in again, I'm not uh, asking for you to put up your hands or not yet, but I'm checking whether you got the email with the link to buying an art scroll Chumash. Did I, I think I sent it to you, Marty. Okay. I got it. And, and Lou and I were talking about it and I went to Amazon and I didn't order it, but I will. Okay. Very good. So just don't order it on Shabbos or Sunday night through Tuesday night, because that's Yontif. But if you order it today or tomorrow, maybe you'll get it before Shavuot. But just like you're getting a new book, uh, Rashi says, one of the famous commentators, there's a line in the, in the Shema that says you shall teach them, teach these words um, diligently to thy children. To, on this day. Okay. And what does it mean on this day? So Rashi says, because every single day you teach your children, it should be like this is the day the Torah was given. We're supposed to wake up in the morning, say modiani, wash our hands, and feel like God just gave us the Torah, like a gift. There you I, go, washing the hands again. I'm there you gonna... go, washing hands. So, <laughs> so we should, we shouldn't just, Marty. You shouldn't just be having sleepless nights on a Tuesday night. You should wake up every morning and say to yourself, "I'm alive and I can learn Torah, and I'm so excited because it's like the first day that I've got the Torah." That's how we're supposed to feel. So that's why people stay up all night. They're staying up all night because they're demonstrating to themselves and to. Uh, everyone around them that the Torah is so exciting to them that they want to stay up all night. Now I will tell you, I'm not uh, going to embarrass my children, but um, when you are young and you're in your shiver and you are surrounded by lots of your friends and you're learning Talmud, you know, day and night, and it's so exciting. There's nothing more that they want to do than to study the Talmud and they'll stay, they'll, they'll, they'll learn on, the weekends, they learn at night. I mean, I was a good student in school. Oh, yeah, I'm sure yeah. you were all good students. But did you work, if you did not have homework on a Saturday night, would you just take out your books randomly and just, you know, start learning? Mm -hmm. Or on a Sunday, or on your days off, or at camp? You know, every single day of the year, they are learning Torah. because they Not because they, that's what they've been told to do. It's because they really, really love it. So that's my goal. My goal is not just to get the three of you excited about. I'm trying to get, you know, Aaron and Brady and Jacob and uh, Amit. I want to get them excited. You know, Michael, I want to get them excited about Torah. So they will pass it on to their children. Because unfortunately, unfortunately, uh, there are not that many Jews who know about Shavuot. Um, I, you I spoke, know what? Rabbi, if I could, if I can interrupt, I know uh, Lou Schachter and I certainly knew about Shavuos and Simcha's Torah because you know why? Why? Because it was Lou and his father and his brother and me and my dad, we understood the importance of it. And we were the ones that were taken out of school. Well, we, we missed school to go to our synagogue to make Minion. Am I right, Lou? Absolutely. And, and it's ironic 
when we would come back the next day, well, I'll speak for myself, I don't know if this is Lou's case, the teachers would say, why were you gone yesterday? And right. I would say, it's a, it's a major Jewish holiday. And then they would say, Lou, they would, they say, would say, how come these other Jewish kids are? Bingo, exactly. And we would right. say, well, you know, these are the, you know, Pesach, Shavuos, Simchas Torah, we were always taught are the three major holidays. Right. And we tried to tell the, you know, the, the teachers that they certainly right. didn't understand, but they would always come back with, well, you know, uh, Jack. The Jack, other the other Jews didn't take off. Right. right. Yeah. But right. we needed to make, I mean, Dang. that was five of us that was part of the minion, you know, to make minion. And there were some times that we had to get on the phone and call people to come. Remember that, Lou, you know? On Saturdays, certainly. Not so much on the holidays, but certainly on Saturday mornings, that was that was very common. Oh, we, yeah. called, we, we used to call Breitman's because there were a bunch of Jews working at Breitman's. Yeah. Could <laughs> come down for Minion. <laughs> uh, sorry to interrupt, but no, it's a great, it's a great point. I mean, I grew up, you know, reform. I didn't really appreciate Shavuot. I think we used to bring. It's also the time of the harvest, um, but it's not mentioned in the Torah. It's not mentioned in the Torah that Shavuot is the time of the giving of the Torah, because the idea is that we should really feel that every single day the Torah is being given. And I think one of the reasons Shavuot is not celebrated so much is because. There's no Seder, there's no Matzah, there's no Sukkah, there's no Lulav, there's no Shofar, you know. So basically, the idea is we're supposed to celebrate the giving of the Torah. And if you really think about it, it's really the most important holiday of the year. Because if you didn't have the Torah, then we wouldn't have all the other holidays either. You know, know, so look, if... um, if if I used to if I would go around you know bemoaning the fact that nobody knows what Shavuot is you know I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't get anywhere I was fortunate that I was shown the beauty of the Torah by some of my teachers and that's what I'm trying to show other people and and Lou I think that that's that goes a little way to explaining the answer to your question you know, Lou Steve before you came on Lou asked a question why is it if the Torah is given on Shavuot which is you know middle of May on the 6th of Sivan, why is it that we don't celebrate Simcha's Torah on Shavuot? The giving of the Torah on Shavuot. Why don't we start at the beginning in Bracious on the day after Shavuot and then f- and finish the next year? And the rabbis asked this question. Um, it's a very so, good question. Yeah, so it does make sense. So um, first of all, again, Simcha's Torah, Marty, just to correct you a little bit, Simcha's Torah is not the name of the, the festival. Sukkot is the name of the festival. And the, the festival that... You know that's what? At, you're right. You're, you know what? I, I stand corrected. Right. I wasn't thinking. You're right. No, but 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 at the end of Sukkot, there's a separate holiday called Shmini Atzeret. Yes, yeah. Shmini Atzeret, the eighth day of Sukkot. It's almost yeah. like a separate festival. And yeah. the custom arose of celebrating the completion of the Torah on, on Shmini Atzeris, and it was called Simchas Torah. Now, in Israel, in Israel, Shmini Atzeris and Simchas Torah are one day. They don't have two days. Just like they only have one day of Shavuot, and we have two days. So Shmini Atzeris is one day uh, together with Simchas Torah in America, or outside of Israel, you have Shmini Atzeris on one day, and then you have Simchas Torah the next day. It's almost like Passover is only seven days in Israel. That's correct. I mean, in in some respects, I am the, so it's, we, uh, Marty, you uh, you don't really know how much you know. That's the truth, you know. 
Um, I, I love it. Yeah. I know he's. Uh, you read. Really, you know what? It's. Uh, it's. It's unfortunate. You know they they just came out with a Pew study report. You know that they did another study of the Jewish population, and it's not a pretty picture, because no, we no. know we know what the figures are going to say. Just like they said ten years ago that the intermarriage rate was seventy percent amongst non-Orthodox Jews. It's not. It's certainly not gone down. It's only going to be higher, you know. Um, so a lot of the reason is because Jews don't know what it says in the Torah. They don't, they don't, uh, they, they don't believe the Torah came from God. They don't have any interest in it. And, and my job, my wife's job, would, and many hundreds of people like us around the world, what we try and do is we try and get people to get excited about the Torah. So I think that just, again, getting back to Lou's question, uh, Sukkot is called Chag uh, Simchasenu, or Zman Simchasenu, the festival or the time of our joy. Uh, that's that. That's what it's called. Now we joyous on every holiday. Chag means to celebrate, and we celebrate because we joyous. Um, even Rosh Hashanah has got an element of joy, even though we're being judged, but we dress in nice clothes, we have nice meals. So, but Sukkot is called Zman Simchasenu because that also is the conclusion of the three festivals, Pesach, Shavuot, and Sukkot. And it's also the conclusion of Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, and Sukkot. And it's also the end of the agricultural cycle. It's when all the porridge juice has been brought in. So, like, like with anything, when, you know, students are writing their finals now and they're graduating, there's a great simcha when you complete something. So Sukkot is a time of completion. It's a time when the holidays are complete, the three festivals. It's a time when Rosh Hashanah, Sukkot, uh, Yom Kippur and Sukkot are finished. Um, and it's a time of the end of the harvest. So it makes sense that the greatest simcha really is the simcha, the greatest joy that we have is the joy over the Torah. Um, and so uh, uh, I, I, I'm not an historian. I, you actually asked a good question. Maybe by next week I'll have a better answer for you to find out, you know, uh, when exactly uh, the custom arose to finish the reading of the Torah in one year. Because it used to be that uh, it took three years. And they would split up the, the parsha into three, and you would read only a third of the parsha every week. And then they they made that we finished it in one year. I, I don't remember when that came about exactly, but even when they did it over three years, but still we celebrated Simchas Torah on on Simchas Torah, on uh, you know on Shmini Atzeres in Israel. So um, I'm going to. I think that's about enough to you know. I'll tell you one other, one last thing, just to tie it into this week's Torah portion. Uh, we're starting in the fourth book. We're starting the fourth book out of five this week. Now, I'm not going to test you and ask you to give what the names of the five books of Moses are. Well, Bamidbar. Bamidbar, fantastic. Bamidbar, what does that mean, Lou? Uh, numbers. Right, that's I know, but what is what is what is the word by midbar literally mean? Midbar. Midbar means in the desert. Midbar is a desert. 
Now the are word. You, are you like talking Genesis, Exodus? That's right. What's the third one? Uh, the third one would be. Well, I know there's Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy is the that's last the last one. one. Numbers, Leviticus. 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 Yeah, I know that. We know right. that. We had. That's right. Now, unfortunately, I once asked. You're showing off now. I am. I am. <laughs> I once asked. I once asked a group of students, "How many books are there in the five books of Moses?" And they. And they who's, and buried they uh, Grant, who's buried in Grant? That's too. right. And they didn't really know the answer. Um, although, I have. It's actually this is a little bit of a trick question, but there are actually more than ten commandments in the ten commandments. If you actually look at the list of the ten commandments, it's actually. According to some opinions, 12. According to other opinions, 13 or 14. I can't remember. Um, but just um, getting back to, you know, what we're starting, Bamidbar. Bamidbar means in the desert. And the Torah was given in the desert. It, was given a, it wasn't given in a big city. And it wasn't given on the highest mountain. It was given on a small mountain. Uh, because God wanted to teach us a lesson that the Torah belongs to everyone. It's given in a desert, which is like ownerless. Nobody owns the desert and was given on a low mountain because the only way you can really be a great Torah scholar is if you humble like uh, and you lower yourself. You can't lower yourself like a valley and be and be nothing and 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 not have any self-worth. You have to have some self-worth, but God gave it on the smallest mountain in in that area. So one of the secrets of of learning is being humble and being willing to learn, you know, from other people. So I'm going to, I'm going to end off with like this, this, this Shavuot is also considered a Rosh Hashanah of sorts in the mission. It calls it a Rosh Hashanah for the trees, but it's also according to the rabbi, it's the Rosh Hashanah of your Torah learning. So, so I'm, I'm going to encourage the three of you to learn something on Shavuot. Just learn something, whatever it is. Don't don't look at it online. Print it out before Sukkot and before before Shavuos, and then God is going to judge you favorably. He's going to give you great insights, and you're going to have even better questions for me starting next week. You're going to see that He's going to shine the light of Torah on you, and you're going to be enlightened. And um, and you're very welcome, by the way. If you want to, if you're not doing anything Sunday night, Lou, you can drive in from uh, Indianapolis. Um, you can come taste my wife's delicious cooking and come stay up all night in West Rogers Park and you'll see hundreds and hundreds of people, you know, staying up all night learning Torah. Last year, unfortunately, we were all quarantined and we, you know, we weren't able to learn together. This year, we're able to learn together and it's, it's very, very exciting. Young people, you know, now you, if you can't stay up the whole night, stay up as long as you can. So sometime between I Sunday, stay up all night. Trust me on that one. That's right. So, so Marty, when your when your art scroll chumash comes, you're going to be so excited. You're not going to be able to sleep. You're going to stay up the whole night learning uh, learning chumash. Okay, Rabbi, you say so. <laughs> okay, so um, I have a question. Yeah, let me just. Uh, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to stop the recording. Wish everyone a happy Shavuot, and again, we should pray for peace in yeah. in Jerusalem.